0: Guys, welcome to episode thirty-six of the CFL podcast. This is Chris along with Tony. No Becker tonight; he's uh, traveling, I believe. So we're going to go at it uh, solo or tag teammate, or however you want to term it.
1: Uh, we're we going to cover the news. I, I think that <laughs> sounds 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 about right. I don't I don't know if that makes us Degeneration X or or what we are. We can probably be a better tag team than that, but you know what? Let's
0: be the Steiner Brothers.
1: Oh, I like that. They were my favorite like uh, back in the day. Well, you, you get to be Big Papa Pump, and I'll be the dog-faced grandma, obviously.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So not to get off on a tangent right away during the intro, but uh, when it was the Steiner brothers, it was Scott Steiner before. He was Big Papa Pump. Mm-hmm. He was just different different character altogether. And oh, he had a sure. finishing move called the Frankensteiner, which was yes. awesome back in the day. It was very acrobatic, sick move. YouTube it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But, oh,
1: uh, 100% familiar, and it's you are correct, anybody who hasn't seen it, that, that was when wrestling was probably at its peak.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, I loved it back then. So, Agreed. So anyways, uh, <laughs> now that we're the Steiner brothers, uh, we're going to cover the news, <laughs> analyze trades, and then review the CFFL draft. So let's get to it. Um, first off with the news, uh, first thing I want to uh, do is, uh, so we're officially at eight people, so half the league have paid. Deadlines in 67 days. Uh, won't get into it too much, but as the last few episodes, please, please pay. Let's just get this done, and I'll. Th- I just want to give a thank to the people. Thank you to the people that have paid. So, us two, yourself and myself, the Steiner brothers, uh, Mark Jeske, uh, Matt Mitchell, Jeff Becker, Ryan Lillian, Adam Rutgers, and my dad. I believe that's all eight. So, thank you all that cool. have paid. Um, we get this Glad to sixteen, man. Up.
1: That'd be amazing. Not, not going to lie, as uh, as busy as I am, I was even uh, over contemplating whether I had paid or not. So I think that's that's a good reminder to let everybody know who has paid. Because um, oh, I yeah, know it like, sure. it's busy and sometimes we forget about stuff.
0: Yep, definitely. So yeah, if you haven't paid, please pay. I'd really appreciate it. Um, that should be it for the news. Um, let's get into the trade reviews. Not too many trades either, so there's basically two trades worth talking about since our last episode. Um, First one was a draft day trade between uh, yourself and Becker. Um, There was a few other draft day trades, but this was the big one because this involved a first-round pick. So um, you moved up to get 110 from Becker, and in return you give up your first-round pick next year as well as your third-round pick next year. Um, Correct. Let us know, who'd you end up taking with 110 and what was
1: the thought process there? So I, I took Bryce Young. Um, the, the reason for that, um, and uh, close circuit to Matt Mitchell, this is not a knock on, on your uh, Packer love diadem, but uh, Aaron Rodgers, I have a, I'm having a hard time stomaching 39-year-old Rodgers as my starter uh, with Mac Jones on the hot seat in New England. Bryce Young was easily my favorite quarterback in this draft. I will I will save my statements about AR fifteen for when we get to Allen's portion of the draft. But Young, uh, th- there's a couple of metrics that I look at specifically when I look at quarterbacks, and it's uh, TWP turnover worthy plays and uh, completion percentage through disguised coverage. I understand that Bryce Young is on the smaller side per quarterback, but his intangibles. And those metrics, he was he was far and away uh, above everyone else. He sees the field completely different. Carolina is obviously still in a rebuild, so they need someone to be kind of their franchise ticket. He's admittedly got the best weapons, probably, of any of the rookie quarterbacks, if you if you want to call it that. He's got DJ Chark. He's got uh, Adam Thielen, Tommy Tremble at tight end, Miles Sanders. He's got the best offensive line ranked uh, of all of the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, their offensive line overall, through PFF, ranked 14th. I believe the next after that was the Colts at 18. Texans were all the way down at 27. I didn't even bother to look up Will Levis because he's obviously not relevant or going to be for for a couple of years. Right. Yep. Same with Hendon Hooker. But of the big three. Bryce Young represented what looked like the safest play for me, plus the best boom for my fantasy prospects. And I felt very comfortable giving up my pick just in the essence that I felt I could potentially recoup a pick next year. Uh, Ironically, this 110 that I got back was my original pick that I traded at the beginning of last year for Dallas Goddard. So there's always a chance. uh, I guess the statement that I would probably use with everybody to look at this is if you're afraid that you're falling forward too much and giving up your future, just remember that a season is a really long time. You always have enough time to get assets back as necessary. Don't let that hamstring you from making a roster decision move that you think will help you both now and in the future. The good news is I I personally thought that Bryce Young was the best quarterback in the draft class. I got him at 110 and now I don't have to worry about my quarterback position moving forward. Rodgers is kind of the man de facto until he theoretically proves me otherwise, and if so, I feel 100% more confident going with Bryce Young as needed. If anything goes downhill from there, then I would have Mac Jones.
0: Right on. That's all sound logic. Um, I kind of feel, just my gut reaction, I kind of feel it was a lot to pay to move up in this draft. Uh, but if you're right about Bryce Young then it was worth it um, if i'm right it'll definitely I'll, the I'll say that word. it wasn't a, it wasn't an absurd trade even if he doesn't pan out or if it was if we're just looking at the value of the pick it wasn't absurd i just feel that there's a lot to give up however in the middle of the draft you know uh, if if there's if there's a motivated buyer while the draft's going on that's a great time to uh as a seller to sell high, um, yep. won't get into all the other trades uh, that occurred during the draft. A couple of them were, were myself, but that kind of shows you the flip side. If you have a motivated seller in the middle of the draft, it's a great time to buy low too. So the draft kind of has its own currency or uh, economic re- factors, oh, however you want to, however you want to term it. I'm struggling for words here,
1: but you know what I mean. People get people get trade frenzy. You know mm-hmm. when when you're when you're on the clock, you see somebody that you covet or that you really want. Um, that 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 plays into it as well too. You know. Yeah, and you don't have the
0: time necessarily to work out and balance trades with players and, and other resources. It's usually picks for picks, um, yeah. and so you're kind of dealing with the picks that a particular person has, or vice versa. So, agreed. Um, the other trade that I want to talk about occurred after the draft um, this was between Ripon and Ateran and Big Earns so Ripon and Ateran gave up uh, Ramonde, Ramondre Stevenson uh, Tyler Lockett in return Big Earns fatherless families gave up Aaron Jones and Quinton Johnston a receiver from the Chargers uh, trade calculators have this pretty much even um, I kind of feel it was uh, one of those trades that really is just preference um, Similar play, similar ranked players on both sides, um, and you know Ripon loves the the Packers, as we know. So, getting right. a skill position player from your favorite team uh, seems like one of those trades that's kind of a wash or win win. But uh, interested in your take on this one?
1: Very close, um, very close. Hard hard to pick a winner on this. I love him, Andre Stevenson. I think that he, I think he's incredibly underrated in terms of what he actually can do for a bigger guy in the past game, he was he was definitely positioned as a two-down back coming out of college, and he's kind of proved everybody wrong. He's actually pretty great in the past game. Aaron Jones, I think, uh, i I give the edge, obviously, to Stevenson on the dynasty upside, but I think in contender mode uh, for right now, Aaron Jones is probably significantly higher than him. Packers still have a very good offensive line. Jordan Love, as far as I'm concerned, is a rookie quarterback with you know very limited success under center. I see Aaron Jones as the focal point of that offense. He he's gonna they're gonna run him into the ground. He's gonna get probably 300 to 350 carries this year, maybe catch 50 to 60 passes. That gives him not only top five upside, but maybe top two or three, barring injury. Um, He's one of those guys that, again, like I have to kind of take off the Vikings-Packers rivalry glasses. Um, never had a major injury in the best shape of his life. He, he is getting closer to the end, but he's also in his paid portion of the contract. That's normally when you see teams run these guys into the ground. So I, while well, I like Stevenson better, because I think three years from now we're still going to be talking about Stevenson as a future back in New England, I don't think we're going to be able to stay even remotely close to the same for Aaron Jones. Like this could be one of the last few years he's there. However, um, Rippin and Terrence looking for an identity after you know he had peddled away his number one overall pick. It's got to be tough for him to watch Bijan go number one, knowing that that would have been his pick had he not traded it away. Aaron Jones, in a way, makes up for that in the short term. I also like Quentin Johnson better um, in the long term. Over Tyler Lockett, uh, I think Lockett is a dying star at this point. I think JSN's drafting kind of signifies he's going to take over at that point. You know, Lockett's twenty nine, going on thirty; his best years are behind him. Uh, Johnston, one of my favorite receivers in the draft, he's the only big bodied guy, and I I was not a fan of Max Dugan when he was at TCU. So, what Johnston could put put up? with that erratic pass game was nothing short of amazing to me. You also factor in that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missed time combined based on soft tissue injuries is overly egregious. Like Johnson could become very relevant right away, but at the very least I do think Keenan Allen is long for this world in terms of fantasy prospects. So Johnson could slot in and begin his domination with Herbert next year. So, like I said, I, I think Jones is the best player in the deal in the now. Um, I like Stevenson long-term, really like Johnston as well long-term. Like, it, it's very, very tight for me to call that out, but I guess if I'm going to give the edge, I'm going to go very slightly in favor of Ripon and turn.
0: Yeah. Um, There's a good point you made about now versus later you know the the short-term value of uh jones short-term value of locket um the upside is much much higher long-term um for stevenson and johnston and they're yep. on opposite ends of the deal so again this right. no matter how you slice it this seems
1: like a pretty pretty even trade so it's very close it's like yep. you said it's it's all about preferences at this point like i said i know there are some people out there that do not like Quentin Johnston at all. They think he's going to be a massive bust. I am not in that camp. I, I was a huge fan of his coming out of TCU. I, I think that that's a nice hit over Tyler Lockett. And I, like I said, I really like Stevenson. I think he's way better than advertised. Um, but I think Jones is going to put up some monster numbers this year. So, you know, if Rippon is in a rebuild, um, he, he may want to look at what does that net mean by midseason if he's not in any kind of a playoff hunt. You know, like, he he had a nice draft, and he reloaded in some ways, but the Baron Jones isn't going to get him to the playoffs. Like, this could be his Derrick Henry-type swan song where he could try and trade him for a mint to a contender and, uh, you know, build back better.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that um, is often overlooked by us as fantasy owners is um, if you are in a rebuild like this, getting a player like Jones – so things don't work out for you. Yeah, it sucks you gave up a guy that has better long-term, younger guy. Mm-hmm. But if you get lightning in a bottle or, or have someone in a monster season, you can sell them at a, for a premium to a contender. Yep. You know, so, 100%. Yeah,
1: interesting
0: trade. Picks? Who knows? Yeah, interesting trade. Yep. All really? right.
1: So now is the time to review the draft. So Before what we're going to do, do, guys, that, I, I do want to make one cliff note if I can. Um, yeah. And that is off of the, the last trade that you had on the slide for um, school babies trading Hendon Hooker to sell me your CDs for $25 in blind bid money. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just wanted to give a, a little nod slash aside to Alan on that because Alan had alluded to at the draft um, some concerns about his quarterback position. Um, way to double down on the position. Um, I'm not, I'm not a huge Hendon Hooker fan, but I tell you what, buying into that offense with Jared Goff having no guaranteed money next year, and you're, you're looking at a receiving core. Obviously, Jamison Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown. They just traded for Denzel Mims. You've got Laporta at tight end, uh, Gibbs in the backfield with David Montgomery, top five offensive line. Um, that that's a for $25 in blind bid money, that's a hell of a stab to reinforce your quarterback room. Um, he, he's fixed his problem now for that with AR-15, I uh, uh, and, and that helps school babies because he was never going to be able to hold Hendon Hooker, so he got some value for buying power when he needs. I mean, that that was a really smart trade, I think, for both teams, even though I know it's kind of a blip on the radar. That's, that's kind of a fun trade to see on my end.
0: Definitely. Sometimes those little trades like that are ones that pay off long-term and, uh, 25 bucks in blind bid is nothing. That's basically free at the, at this stage of the game. All right. So now let's try this again. It's time to review the draft. So what we're going to do is, uh, we'll go through each team and, uh, I'll give Tony the opportunity to review the draft, uh, give his takes on those. And, uh, we'll start with, uh, so this order is based on the team number in my fantasy league, fantasyleague.com. It's not, not alphabetical. It's not anything else. Uh, so my team is first, and it's just by chance. So, uh, so Tony, what would you think about my draft here?
1: Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to call this the Rage Draft <laughs> after uh, 20, 25% of the league bailed on you without notice at the draft, which uh, cl- closed circuit to – the rest of the league. Um, i'm I'm never that guy that wants to be overly negative, but I, I am just gonna say shame on you. Um, Chris, you one of my favorite parts of the draft is that you put on a hell of a draft, like you always cook a bunch of amazing food. There's a lot of people that contribute to that. You know, shout out to Alan, having us all over to his house. Um, you know, I, Alan's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on with his wife, his kids, just moved out to the farm, you know, and all the work that he has on there. And he managed to set up and host for us. And when a fourth of the league decides to no no show and no call, essentially to say that something came up and um, they couldn't make it, um, but quite honestly, kind of embarrassing. Like we we know when the draft is, we all vote on it, and I understand that life happens. Like it was it was alluded to that a couple of people were sick. Um, couldn't make it, you know, I I actually respect the fact that if you're feeling under the weather, you're not going to push that upon anybody to try and make it, you know, like safety is important with everybody that's got kids and things of that nature. But, you know, um, people that decide to uh, treat the draft like the Barbie movie where they call their parents and ask if anybody's talking negative about them before they decide to grace us with their presence halfway through after, throwing a temper tantrum and leaving the group me and changing their team name to, you know, TBD. That's, uh, that's pretty shameful. I, uh, that, that's some seriously juvenile shit that I, I don't even know how to respond to. So I, uh, open circuit apology to, to you, to Alan for everything that, uh, he and his wife did to host us, you know, in terms of food, alcohol, things of that nature. I uh, genuinely appreciate it and uh, very disappointed in all the people that decided that it wasn't even worth a phone call or some half-ass excuse at the end to, to not make it um, a lot of time and energy that went into that. And I, I was, I was pretty disappointed to be honest with you, just at the lack of energy. And I could, I could see it in your draft when you gave away all your picks, you were kind of over the day, man. And you don't to do that. deserve that. You, you do a good job as a commissioner, man. So.
0: Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. I agree with your sen- sentiments. Uh, a couple, just a couple things to add. Um, like I get, you know, stuff happens. You get if, if people are sick or or whatever. I, there's always going to be someone that can't make it for a valid reason. So I get that. This. So I'm not calling out anybody in particular. But when you have with seven people not show up, and that was just maddening. Honestly, it just. Very frustrating because of, you know, a couple of things, like all the setup work that you mentioned. Um, Al and Melissa were working all day at a wedding the day before, and they got up early to get stuff going for the draft with food, um, drinks. They spent a lot of money buying stuff for it, and a lot of it went unused because there's nobody there. Um, you know, all of us that made stuff to share, you know, made stuff for 15 guys or more and hardly anybody got eaten. Um, I got there early to run Internet out to the – Al's bar. So we had uh, internet for the draft. Um, but really, it was just like, this is the freaking CFFL. This isn't a league like you have with coworkers that don't even watch football, that just draft from a magazine and then don't turn their lineup in all year. Um, but it kind of feels like the league's turning that way. Like, what's the difference between us and that if people don't even show up for the draft, don't talk trades? Don't respond to trades don't participate in group me don't pay their fee like what is this like the league kind of seems like it's becoming lame and I've heard people you know complain about people that aren't participating over the years and I'm always the first one to defend them like people you know have lives
1: they're busy oh, you, are. I, you know I, I will I will second that I, I I can openly say that I've been one of the people that will call others onto the catwalk to you in in private, based on lack of activity, compliance, you know, just the basics. And you are always a champion to every owner in this league. So that, that was maybe why it was a little bit more frustrating to see all these people that bailed or no-showed on it, um, considering you're always such an advocate for everybody in the league. Um, I, I think you got done dirty on that, to be honest with you. I know we're all busy. Yeah, so. We all have things in life that go on, but that, that was just unfortunate. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. Like, It's like,
0: you know, this is the frickin' CFL. That's the bottom line. Um, yep. This is a great league. It's been on for 26, 27 years. Uh, most of us have, you know, been in the league for a long time. We take it seriously. And to just, just kind of overall way it's trending, I think with – we have some owners that are – you know, I'll just say it. They're dragging the league down by not participating, and I just – I don't know what else to say, so, yeah. well, so well, that's all, again, I'm not calling anybody out in particular, just in general, honest. in general, you know, come on, uh, let's, let's just do better, that's
1: all, that's yeah, all I got to say. Be better, that's it, I, I think, I think that, that is the message, you know, nothing else that needs to be said, you said it all right there, and hopefully enough people will, uh, take note of that, and, and own it, and try and be better.
0: That's it. All right. So we went through my draft. I had no picks. I traded all of them during the draft. I just didn't want to deal with it. So uh, that brings up the Webtoad wonders. They had quite a few picks here. It looks like six, seven picks, three of them in the first round, a second and three thirds. So I'll kick it over to you to kind of analyze Chuck's draft here.
1: Three things in life that are common. Uh, death taxes, and Chuck always has a shit ton of picks, right? <laughs> For sure. Um, I love the Zay Flowers pick at 13. I think that's a really strong pick. Uh, I hate the Baltimore passing game right now just because there's such a log dam at wide receiver, but uh, Flowers is an incredibly natural receiver uh, in, in and out of breaks and in the slot. I, I really like that. Um, Chuck doubles down at tight end with Mayor and Laporta. I just got done obviously talking about the Detroit passing game, and he's walking into 120-plus targets that were vacated by Hawkinson when he got traded. Um, Mayer, same situation with the Raiders. He's walking into 120 to 140-plus targets that were vacated by Darren Waller getting traded to the Giants. Um, Only weak spot on Chuck's team was um, his tight end position, and he effectively fixed that in one draft. So. Uh, Shout out to Chuck. Very nice set of picks there to start off with. Um, Chris Rodriguez feels like a bit of a reach. Will Levis, I'm sure will just exist on this practice squad. Um, Generic Price, I'm indifferent to, but that's a late pick. Uh, Really a fan of the Evan Hall pick. Uh, If anybody's not familiar with him, he was the only running back in this draft class that had 50 plus reception last last year, Um, and he had a 35% dominator rating when he was at Northwestern. So he definitely profiles as better than a Nahum Hines type handcuff to Jonathan Taylor. Um, really smart pick by Chuck there. I'm sure he'll go on his practice squad, but I, I really like that play. So overall, uh, good draft, Chuck. N- nothing new there, though. Chuck always crushes his drafts.
0: Definitely. Um, I don't have his roster up right now to see, but I would imagine his... His taxi squad is pretty full right now as well, so I think his big problem is going to be finding a spot to stash these guys. So, but I'm sure he'll turn if he doesn't have room. I'm sure he'll turn this into some of the resources he can he can
1: use. Uh, to your point, he's he's actually going to have a lot of easy easy moves that he can make on his taxi squad. Um, Hassan Haskins just got arrested for domestic violence in Tennessee. He's gone. Keontae Ingram, uh, non-factor in Arizona. He's gone. Uh, Boyd Mayf, uh in Seattle, not productive. They actually drafted two guys to replace him. He's gone. So the only two guys that Chuck's really probably going to retain on his roster, um, he's got Trey McBride, who can come off this year if he wants to, in favor of one of those rookie tight ends, and Louis Cien, you know, who who could definitely be a starter in the secondary. So um, Chuck Chuck's got a little bit more leverage, I think, uh, on Taxi Squad than we might have previously anticipated.
0: Definitely, yeah. I'm kind of used to having like Jonathan Taylor and a bunch of other top ten players on there. So, right. all right. Next up is the Top Cats. Two picks here: one eleven and two two. Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: what are your thoughts on the Top Cats draft? Uh. I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't thinking about Dalton Kincaid at 110, but obviously I was so like fixated in Bryce Young. I couldn't do it. Uh, Kincaid admittedly probably never should have made it past number nine, considering he's going to have, have a shot at the big slot role in Buffalo. Great pick. Loved it. Uh, Dwayne McBride at 2-2. Very much a homer pick. Kind of confusing to me. Uh, Seventh-round selection, so he's not even guaranteed that he's going to make the roster positives for him. He led college football last year in rushing yards per game and total yardage for the NCAA uh, Division One. He also led D1 in fumbles. So, a little bit of yin, a little bit of yang. McBride could carve out a role. There's no sure thing in Minnesota's backfield with Dalvin Cook gone. Uh, Alexander Madison has only ever had a 38% snap share. Ty Chandler profiles more satellite back. Um, there's some upside. So, I mean, chip in a chair, definitely a homer pick. I'm not sure if I would have taken him at 2-2. I think there's a lot of other players on the board that he could have shot after. But um, I, I can understand it because if he hits on it, I mean, that's another running back. So uh, that, that draft is kind of a wash to me. I love the Kincaid pick. A little perplexed by the McBride pick.
0: Yeah, I don't recall who else was there at 2-2. At but, uh, yeah, the McBride pick definitely is a lottery ticket. You know, on the on the on the positive there with that, I I really don't think that there's. A, I just don't see Madison being a every down back in the NFL for an extended period of time. I know he's done it uh, in spot duty, but there's a whole different thing between doing it in spot duty and being the guy for an extended time where teams are. Here's, scheming here's a against couple of you. names
1: for you that were uh, available that same time that Topcats pick. Um, so Rishi Rice. Uh, Kansas City wide receiver wide open after Travis Kelsey like could definitely make an impact there they drafted him in the third round Uh, Will Anderson who obviously uh, the Texans paid the house for in order to add him like that's that was you know a solid defensive player that he could have added Um, you could argue that he actually should have been drafted before Jack Campbell who went 17 Uh, Marvin Mims Denver apparently that's a, a guy that Sean Payton was banging the table for uh, Nolan Smith, um, Jonathan Mingo, uh, Israel Abanaconda Abbe- Abba- out of Pittsburgh, uh, drafted by the Jets. The only guy that is uh, stuck in front of him is Brees Hall coming off an ACL, and Abanaconda actually led the NFL or the NCAA I'm sorry, in rushing touchdowns last year with 19. So there, there were a, a couple of players that I think I might have taken a shot on just based on draft capital, opportunity, and situation before McBride at
0: 2-2. Fair points. That brings us to the whammy-doodles. Whammy-doodles. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't even know what you're going to say. I'm just I'm ready
1: for it. So I don't even – here, you just Hold start a, talking. I'm just going to listen. Where me doodles. Um, because he cried prior to the draft to his dad, wondering what everybody was talking about and if they were talking about him. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised to that Eric, after you managed to gut the league so incredulously by letting everybody know, uh, how disappointed you were in the trade that Mark and I made to the point that you, fake quit the league, then decided to call in. Like it was a 24, seven Casey Canem hotline to ask what everybody's feelings were about you. Uh, side note, nobody was talking about you. And then you gloriously showed up halfway through the draft to tell everybody how shitty their picks were. Um, it, it would be comical if it wasn't real life. Uh, you manage to start your draft with Kendry Miller, who is the third-string running back now in New Orleans, and scratch that, not the third-string running back. Um, he's on the pup list coming off of that knee injury, and there's a good chance that he will get shut down after Alvin Kamara fled down to a misdemeanor, will not get suspended. Um, Miller out the first nine games, like, does he have a shot at being relevant uh, after year one, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it just reinforces the fact that you gave away your first-round pick next year, which could, which could potentially be 1-1 because you took a guy at 1-4. That's going to do absolutely nothing to help your team this year. Uh, Justin Shorter at 4-6. Man, that's a reach and a half if ever I've seen one. Uh, he's not even guaranteed a roster spot. Keyshawn Butte, cratered. In ways that I have never seen in my entire life, for a receiver to go from completely elite to completely irrelevant at LSU. Mo Ibrahim, love him, love him as a player. Obviously, I'm a huge Gulfers fan. He is buried on that depth chart in Detroit. Uh, he'll be lucky if he can actually get the fourth running back spot, considering that Jameer Gibbs, who went number two, David Montgomery uh, occupy the top spots on that, and then you've got Jamar Jefferson. And Craig Reynolds, who they really like for special teams. So Abraham is on the outside looking in. Best pick in this draft is Noah Sewell, who went to Chicago and is trying to revamp their, their defense. That's probably his best pick. Uh, I got to say, this draft, unfortunately, gets a, a very low grade for me. I don't even know if I can put a letter on it. I just, I I, I give it kind of a yuck face, and that's about it.
0: All right. Next up, a lot of picks here. Skull babies, he had a lot of picks. It's hard to even count them. Something like eight or nine, quite a few. What are your t- thoughts on this one? Obviously, had the easy pick at one one, but uh, overall, yeah,
1: you're you're right. Nine picks, um, kind of a um, kind of a mixed bag. I mean, obviously, he's he's going to get a high grade because of Bijan, like he he made no no secrets um, that he was going all in to try and get a generational player, and he got it. You know, he, he made his trade with Generic Red Warriors, giving up Etienne and Javante Williams in order to get get his guy, and he got his guy. So everything after, after that is kind of irrelevant. Um, Chase Brown, you know, feels like kind of every other running back that the Bengals have ever taken to potentially succeed Joe Mixon. Uh, Brown, if I recall correctly, I think he's got like a fifth-round draft capital, which is fine. Um, he'll probably never be a starter, but maybe he can win that RB2 spot there. Michael Wilson is kind of an interesting prospect in the idea that he's been dominant when he's been healthy, but the the when healthy is kind of the configurator to it. If he can't be healthy, he can't really obviously be well on the field, but that wide receiver core is wide open. But there's a very good chance that they're going to have a change of landscape next year. Like, there's a possibility Kyler Murray is not a Cardinal next year, and they draft Caleb Williams with a 1-1. That's actually the Vegas odds right now. So, Wilson could definitely show into something. So, I like that pick a little bit more than not. Um, back-to-back tight ends, like, this is kind of becoming a school baby staple. He'll take upside guys. So, he's, he's got Darnell Washington, which he can put on his taxi squad and kind of handcuff to Pat Fairmouth. Um, For those that don't follow a lot of, like, 24-7 sports reporting, Washington was actually the number one high school tight end prospect in the country uh, four years ago. 6'7", 260, freakishly fast and athletic. Again, buried behind Fairmouth, but kind of an interesting prospect. Uh, Cameron Latou, converted linebacker that became a tight end in Alabama. Doesn't have a lot of experience in the position, but we all know George Kittle's history for injuries. So, you know, that's a lottery ticket, you know, minimally. Uh, Kenny McIntosh, Charlie Jones, irrelevant to me in in a way, shape, or form, just based on being buried on their depth charts. Hedden Hooker, as I already outlined, I thought that was a really sneaky pick. He traded it away to get blind bid money. You know, Trey Tucker, wide open targets after Matt Collins left to Atlanta, you know, about 85-plus. That, that could be something, but more than likely probably going to be a cup for him. Uh, I mean, overall, the Bijan pick is really what makes it. That That's kind of about it.
0: All right. Next up, we have the generic bread warriors. They just had one pick in the draft. They took uh, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba from Ohio State slash Seattle. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, he kind of went the uh, corn boy's way of the draft, where he gave away all his picks and, Kind of flopped into next year because I, I'm pretty sure he has multiple firsts and seconds. But um, the irony is, JSN isn't even going to play on his team this year. He's probably going to go on his practice squad. So um, JSN was my number one receiver in this draft class, and the guy that I thought should have gone number three overall. Uh, for him to get him at number five is an absolute steal. I mean, I, I'm sure he couldn't. I'm sure he couldn't hit uh, a draft on his name soon enough. Once he became available at 1.5, so just a just a crusher of a pick. If you're only going to have one pick, that's a hell of one to have.
0: Yeah, that's who I would have taken as well, I agree. Uh, likely would have taken him at 1.3 as well. I'm a big fan of his. I think he was very underrated at Ohio State. <clears throat> I think he's kind of overshadowed by Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, he, he's been awesome. He's had a great career, so I, I think he's going to make it in the NFL. Um, and uh, uh,
1: Ro- Rose Bowl record. Um, 353 yards receiving, four touchdowns. Um, you, don't, oh, yeah. you don't teach yep. that. Guys, guys that do that are just dominant, period, full stop.
0: Yep. And then to your point, Becker already has three first-round picks next year. He's got his own, of course, he has yours, and then he has whammy-doodles. So,
1: geez, he has... Which could be 1-1 and could be Marvin Harrison, Jr., yeah, and then he's got five thirds as well. So uh, yeah. he's
0: he's in good shape, definitely. Yep. All right. So next up, we have the Lazy Boys. Uh, they had two first round picks and then four later picks. Uh, what are your thoughts on his draft?
1: I actually really liked his draft. Um, I know that uh, he came into this really looking for running backs. Jameer um, Gibbs, obviously. That's kind of a slam dunk right along the lines of what we knew uh, Bijan was going to be. Every, every draft pretty much across the planet, unless it's a quarterback heavy league, is going to be Bijan and Jameer. Um, I really like the Tank Bigsby pick at 114. Uh, maybe a stat that some people don't know. Travis Etienne, only 7% conversion on goal line carries last year. Tank Bigsby, as his name kind of precludes, 5'11", almost 230 pounds. Uh, he's a north-south runner, kind of reminiscent of the old Michael Turner days. He's never going to catch passes for you, but he is a guy that he will drag defenders into the end zone. Um, that that could absolutely be a sneaky steal of a pick. Uh, DeMarvian Olvershawn at 4'2", is actually a surprisingly really good pick just for tackles. He's going to get a shot right away to go... Uh, play inside on, on a really good defense. And that's obviously tackles are king in, in this league in terms of value. So if, if he becomes even a fraction of, like, say, a Sean Lee or a, a Leighton Vanderash, that could be a, a heck of a pick. Um, Sean Tucker is really intriguing to me at 4-5. If you're not familiar with him coming out of Syracuse, he actually had a third-round projection he fell all the way out of the draft and it turned out that he had some medical stuff that might be related to a heart murmur, but he got cleared and he's good for full contact. Um, You could argue that him falling out of the draft is actually the best thing that could have happened to him considering he could have gotten stuck on a depth chart where he would have been buried behind a couple of studs in Tampa Bay. The only guys that he has to really contend with are Rashad White, who's better suited as a receiving back um, as well as uh, Chase Edmonds, who is also better suited as a receiving back and has proven to be a bust thus far in his NFL career for the past five years. Um, Guy had a shot to make it in Denver when they had nothing on the depth chart and he got traded for Bradley Chubb, and he was a healthy scratch for more than 65% of the game. So um, really like those picks. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave out the last two just because I'm sure they're probably just kind of camp fodder at this point. But those first four picks are absolute crushers. I, I think, you know, Lazy came into it. He had tried to bring in a partner that it sounds like he kind of bailed on him and didn't do much to actually help him in terms of getting a second lens into the team. Um, he didn't need it. He, he ended up doing really well by himself. So I, I, I think really nice job to the Lazy boys.
0: Yeah, man, I love the picks, uh, especially his first two. And uh, also of note, look at the time elapsed for his picks. Two minutes, two minutes, three minutes, 29 seconds, two minutes, one minute. That's (laughs) solid. That's what we want to see. So good job, Lazy. All right, next up, if can get my PowerPoint to work here. PowerPoint, what the hell's going on here? There we go. Lily Lickers. No picks for Lily. Lily was in London. Um, that's probably the best thing he could have done was uh, trade away his picks. Um, go to London, trade away his picks, because otherwise I'm sure you would have got an F grade from you. Um, <laughs> now we got the Clips. This has got to be a record for the most picks in the modern draft era. Let me count these guys up. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 picks. Starting off with uh, Jordan Addison at 1-6. What are your thoughts on Clippy's draft? Um,
1: honestly, hell of a draft. Um, he he might have really overhauled his entire defensive roster if, if we're really being transparent. Um, Nolan Smith is not going to be a starter right away just based on Billy's depth chart, but eventually um, he, he's going to be... A starter flexed in at defensive end. Uh, Trenton Simpson, Drew Sanders are both going to get chances to start right away in their defensive schemes, and that's a lot of tackles on those games. Like We we know how Denver and Baltimore operate in terms of defense. They're, they run three, four hybrids. Uh, Jalen Carter, he projects as a guy that likes to get into the backfield all on Aaron Donald. Um, that, that's an interesting pick. Jordan Battle gets to walk right into Jesse Bates role after he signed a lucrative deal to go to the Falcons. So he's going to be a starting safety there. Uh, Brian Bressy, not overly enamored with that as a defensive tackle pick because they don't normally do well in terms of fantasy, but he's a first round commodity. And at worst he is camp fodder for his training squad. Um, Miles Murphy, again, there's a high pick ended up going to Cincinnati high motor, Uh, you know, again, you could say that he really revamped his defense there. And that's not even including the fact that he started it off with Will Anderson, 2-4. The only offensive players that he added was Tanner Brown at the end of the draft, Jordan Addison, um, who is arguably considered the second best wide receiver in this draft class, former Voletnikoff winner. He crushed it at Pittsburgh, transferred to USC to play in Lincoln Riley's uh, offense where he had the opportunity, obviously, to learn a pro-style system, and now he gets to play opposite Justin Jefferson. This could very much be a A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith-type role, and if Mark can get, you know, 89 catches for 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns out of Addison, like Devontae averages, I, I really don't think he'll be mad. Uh, Rishi Rice, same situation in Kansas City. He gets to go play. With the best quarterback in the NFL right now, um, love the draft. No idea how he's going to make room for all these people, but um, in the meantime, he, there's a very good chance that he revamped his defense overall, and he's really kind of built himself a true dynasty at this point. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what the Top Cats actually end up doing, even even in the short term, but mostly in the long term.
0: You mean the this?
1: yeah sorry my, my
0: oh mistake. All, all good yeah, definitely uh he's got the fastest uh draft here um between Jordan Addison and Jalen Carter. He got both the guys that got busted for speeding um so that's pretty impressive also uh when I decided to trade away all my picks was after um his picks here he took the top two or top two two of the top three linebackers in the draft, and I'm like, all right, nobody else I really want, so let's get out of this thing so I love his draft as well. Um, problem is going to be finding spot on his roster for all these guys, but it's a good problem to have, and he's got some uh, building blocks, especially on the defensive side, as you mentioned. That brings us to Charlie's Angels. Quite a few picks here for Walker as well. Um, one first, two seconds, and a handful of later picks. What are your thoughts on Walker's draft?
1: Uh, this is definitely the draft of a rebuilding team. Um, Rashawn Johnson, I'm actually a big fan of. Um, I've listened to some podcasts that compare him as being the Ronnie Brown to Bijan's Cadillac Williams. Uh, A lot of people in close circles will say he was just as talented as Bijan was, if not more, and he could have started multiple Power 5 schools. Jury's out. We will see. That's a a total crapshoot of the pick. But if you're looking at some of the other running backs that went in front of him or around him. You know, like the Kendry Millers of the world, um, Devon uh, A. Chain, things of that nature. You can make an argument that with what Chicago is building kind of as a Baltimore light, that he could definitely emerge as a feature back there because he's got the size and the three-down capabilities. Marvin Mims I wasn't super high on, but the more that I read about him post-draft, it sounds like Sean Payton really banged the table for him. And he kind of fits their profile of what he wants in a receiver there, so that can be a good pick. Um, Zach Evans with the Rams, at first glance, not a great receiving or landing spot until you really receive the fact that Cam Akers at one point was almost off the team until he blew up last year for the final four weeks. Sony Michelle is the backup. They have nothing else on that team. Evans at one point was the number two running back recruit in the country per 24-7 sports behind only Nick Singleton of Penn State. He's more of a north-south runner, doesn't really have a lot that he can offer in the receiving game, but he's perfectly built to actually carry the load on the offense, so that, that could be a sneaky good pick. Uh, Maisie Smith, defensive tackle, defensive end hybrid. Lucas Van Ness, kind of same thing, a guy that's really fast enough to line up on the edge, but big enough that he can play three technique if necessary in Green Bay. Dorian Williams is a super sneaky pick. I was just reading the other day that Buffalo is actually going to give him the opportunity to audition for their starting middle linebacker and weak side linebacker spots. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. gets to go play football where his dad is from, and he is a surefire ring of honor, if not Hall of Fame candidate. Uh, Marte Mapu, I'm not super versed on him, but I've been doing some reading on him for my 32-team league, but apparently he's has been crushing camp. So, um, a lot of boom slash bust picks, but there is upside to be had. So I do not hate this draft. Obviously, Charlie's in a rebuild. And he's trying to make it fun for himself again. So he got some guys that might be fun.
0: Marte Mapu. That seems like a fun one to say. <laughs> Hope he makes it. I just want to hear his. I want to hear Pa do something with his name. Right. So. All right. Who do we got next? Man, PowerPoint is just struggling for me tonight. Chay yeah, Dogs Chay yeah. Dogs. Quite a few picks for Chay as well. That's what we're seeing here is uh, guys either have a ton of picks or hardly any picks. Chay's got quite a few, right. including two firsts. What are your thoughts on
1: Chay's draft? Uh, kind of going backwards, very top-heavy on defense, but he got a lot of guys that could potentially boom slash bust for him, you know, in terms of Kalajic, uh out Felix, DK Uzoma. Tyree Wilson, Brian Branch. These are all guys who are high on athleticism, low on production. Their teams drafted them with the idea that they think they're going to take the next step. Uh, Kansy, I think, was the only one that was hyper-productive when he was in college. He was actually getting a lot of Aaron Donald counts because he was from Pittsburgh. Um, so very interesting in that regard. Jack Campbell at 117, probably the best offensive player for IDP. And, of course, he comes off the board at that relative 117 spot. Uh, Musgrave, he was probably the best tight end after the big three that we had previously articulated. Josh Downs might have a shot at winning the slot role in Indianapolis, so that's not bad. The interesting pick is Charbonnet. There are some people that absolutely believe he's going to take the starting drop from Walker. There are some people that think he was drafted just as a high-insurance handcuff because the Pete Carroll offense is predicated on the run game. If his starter goes down, he's got to have the next man up. I tend to fall in the camp of the latter as opposed to the former. I do not think that Charbonnet is any threat to Kenneth Walker's job. Uh, He had nine touchdowns in 10 games last year, and he averaged almost five yards of carry. Um, I think that Charbonnet is a very good player, but it's going to take a Kenneth Walker injury to really translate to him having any production. So, Kind of a mixed bag on this draft for me. I, I really like the defensive players, but I don't think that Charbonnet was the best player he could have drafted at 1-7, if I'm being honest. I, I feel like he might have been smart. I, I know that running back is obviously the biggest necessity, but I'm a little surprised that that didn't end up being like a Zay Flowers type of pick.
0: All right, getting close to the end here, I believe. Next up is Big Earns, Fatherless Families. They had uh, five picks. First one was one twelve with Quentin Johnson, Johnson who we've talked about already. What are your thoughts on this draft overall?
1: Uh, Eric Gray is a super sneaky pick in the idea that if Barkley does hold out, he's next man up, and Carter got him for the cheap, cheap price of three fifteen. Admittedly, uh, and I told Carter this is a draft, no disrespect. I was not versed on any of the other guys they took outside of Johnson, who he has since traded. So. Um, Carter filled me in on the upside and all the whys that he thinks that some of these guys could have shots on their respective teams. So I'm going to, I'm going to defer to Carter's knowledge on that. But, um, Johnston and Gray were my favorite picks in this draft. Um, I, I unfortunately don't have much information about his final three picks, but they were so late that, um, that, that could just be Carter, um, being a salesman to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, if Eric Gray turns out, uh, being something special, well, shame on me for trading away four third-round picks and not, not taking him, but uh, is what it is. All right, next up, we have Rippin and a Tear in. Three seconds and three-thirds. What are your thoughts on his draft?
1: He definitely has a rebuild in front of him. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was super pumped to see him get CJ Stroud at 216 because I know that quarterback has been a big struggle bus for him. I'm not a huge Stroud truther, but I will tell you that I love what Houston is doing long-term. So while I don't think Stroud is going to hit the ground running right away, I, I do think he got his quarterback of the future here, um, or at least a very good bridge until he finds an elite quarterback that can take over. He's definitely going to be better than Desmond Ritter, so I, I think that's a big win for him. His running backs are all big on athleticism. Uh, Tyje Spears, excellent when he was at Tulane. His biggest problem that some people don't know, he has no ACL in his right knee. Um, it was actually removed after a surgery when he was a sophomore. So while he's hyperproductive, this is a guy that is probably going to end up having very much a J and j type of career. Maybe three, maybe four years. Good news for him is he's behind a 29, almost 30-year-old Derrick Henry. So he could get some run in very short order, but it's probably not going to be very long. Uh, Israel Ab- Abanakanda, as I had stated before, I always butcher his name, but uh, 19 touchdowns when he was at Pittsburgh last year, crushed the combine. He actually, I believe, was top three in 40-yard dash, broad jump, um, vertical, and six-cone shuttle drill, just hyper-athletic. The only thing standing in his way is Brees Hall and his recovery from an ACL injury. If that guy gets a chance to actually shoot into that backfield and start, he may never give it back. Deuce Vaughn very much reminds me of a Darren Strolls-type player. Really small um, pocket Hercules-type player, but great pass catcher. And we know how the Texans use running backs, and Pollard obviously has his own injury history right now. Couldn't be a thing. Kind of surprised Jaden Reed when as late as he did. He was Highly regarded as either the fourth or fifth best wide receiver in this draft class. I think catch and passes from Jordan Love kind of hurts him, but that's a really good value. Tank Dell at 312, probably one of the best values in the draft. I understand that he's undersized. He's a Tavon Austin, size like 5'8", 165. Um, What people don't recognize is that he actually scored 35 touchdowns in two and a half years when he was at the University of Houston and he averaged 112 passes a season. Um, Sniff the stripe is a real metric. Guys that just find a way to get into the end zone and score at will, and as we had kind of alluded to, that's a wide-open depth chart for receiving. Uh, you got John Mechie, who's coming back from battling cancer, Nico Collins, and 33-year-old Bob Woods. Um, This is a guy that could actually make some noise right away as a rookie and win a job in the slot, and now he's got a handcuff for him with C.J. Stroud, so... Um, I know that Mitchell had a lot of work to do on the rebuild. I really like this draft, to be honest with you. I, this is a lot of fun for me to see.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good draft, and it's a little unusual for him. He usually takes a lot of defensive players and none none this draft, all on offense. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he had he has some good options here for sure. Next up, yeah. we've got a world of pain. Um, just three late picks, all receivers. Any thoughts on this draft?
1: uh only one that i'll comment on uh puka nakua wide open depth chart uh he's a good size receiver 6'1 205 he got some poor man steveau samuel comps coming out of the byu because they use him as kind of a wide back in that system uh love the fact that he landed with sean McVay. if we're talking about a really creative football mind that can maximize his potential and on top of that wide open depth chart i mean he's got to beat out the likes of people like Ben Skoranek and Dan Jefferson. Um, that, that could really be a player for him. Don't really have any hot opinions on Trey Palmer or Tyler Scott, but uh, I do like that Pukinakua pick.
0: All right, and then we have uh, second to last. Show me your TDs. Pick one, three, and then three later picks. What are your thoughts on his draft?
1: <sighs> Alan, you're you're going to hate me for this, um, and I, I apologize because I... You did a great job at hosting, and obviously, you know I respect you a ton as a human being, but I am not a fan of the Anthony Richardson pick at one three um, I do think that on the high end and, and, and I should probably maybe elaborate with that to start. Anthony Richardson has three potential outcomes for me, uh hypothetically speaking, his ceiling is Cam Newton based on the physical intangibles. if he becomes that even eighty cents on the dollar. Allen will have proved me wrong, and I will gladly eat my crow. His mid-level is Justin Fields. All rushing, no passing, with, Ansh- with which Anthony Richardson has actually already proven. Going against ACC competition, he actually led college football um, in turnover-worthy plays last year. 6.7% of his passes should have been intercepted as turnovers um, Think, uh, based on disguise coverage.
0: Maybe so it's a but... Oh, he was in the SEC. Oh, I thought yeah. I heard you Sorry. say SEC, but it
1: could yeah. have just been the audio. You, no, you're you're correct. I, I did say that, and you're right. It was I meant to say SEC um, at Florida. Just there's not great competition in that division, to be perfectly honest with you. And he, it was either a deep bomb, nothing underneath, um, or he was running it. And w- when the pocket breaks down. Uh, and you can't find a receiver underneath to throw to that doesn't translate well. And that, that feels like a Justin Fields kind of thing. And I know Justin Fields had a great fantasy campaign last year based on his rushing, but when teams get hit to that, he's not going to be long for this world. The downside to that is I think Anthony Richardson's floor is Terrell Pryor, a guy that's physically athletic and super gifted, but just doesn't put it together at the quarterback position. Um, He's falling into a good system in the idea that he has a fairly decent line and Jonathan Taylor to help weigh the load down, but outside of Michael Pittman, he really doesn't have any weapons. Uh, Tucker Kraft got drafted as the second tight end in Green Bay. Don't love it. Cedric Tillman, maybe a little bit of upside because all he's got to do is unseat Donovan Peoples Jones to be the second receiver in Cleveland, but that's a pretty uninspiring pick. Jake Moody. Yeah, he got his kicker. I'm not mad about that. San Francisco is a super high-powered offense, and Moody is probably going to win the job all right. But it's that Richardson pick for me. If if it was me, especially considering that he traded away Tyreek Hill in order to get this pick, um, and he passed on JSN, if Anthony Richardson is really anything less than Cam Newton, this is unfortunately a busted pick for him. Sorry, Alan not personal. I just, I don't love the pick.
0: Yeah. I hear you with Richardson. I'm not a big fan of him either, but, uh, I think his ceiling is so high that, you know, there's a chance this could, could pay off for him. Uh, even if it's a short career, we've seen this before with guys who are super fantasy relevant at the quarterback position because of rushing ability. Um, even if they're not a good player otherwise, uh, just those rushing yards and touchdowns are enough to make a huge impact for fantasy or win a title even. The
1: the only problem with that, though, that I I will kind of concede to you is I, I do agree with you, but when you look at some of the dominant rushing quarterbacks that we've seen, like Michael Dick, Cam Newton, Jalen Hurts, the thing that those guys have in common is they progress every year as a passer in terms of accuracy, average depth of target, things of that nature, Richardson is actually regressed. It, everything for him, I, I downloaded a heat map that showed, like, his completion percentage throughout his collegiate career, and literally everything was, like, 20 yards plus or a five-yard check down. And that was, there was nothing in between. So the short to intermediate area, he really struggles with, and, at the speed of the NFL, like he was a physical freak, obviously, coming out of college. I mean, what, 6'6", 240? Yeah, you, you can beat up on linebackers that are 5'11", 220. But when you get into the NFL and you've got to meet, you know, some dominant linebacker at the pole, you know, that that's going to literally just shape you right out of your jockstrap. I think he's going to have a really rude awakening in the NFL.
0: I hear you. Uh, I I don't want to go off on a tangent here. I just want to get this on the record because we have a lot of listeners for this podcast. I just want to go on the record and make sure everyone knows so they can come back and replay this, or I can replay this to to (laughs) show them, uh, that I believe in Justin Fields, and I think he's going to be awesome even as a passer. So um, that's all. That's all. All right. Last, but certainly not least, we have your team. Multiple scoregasms. Uh, two first round picks. Second, third, pretty high third, and a late, late fourth there. Um, Where you talked about Bryce, Bryce Young, there at one ten. Um, let's give you the floor here and talk through the rest of your draft here, starting
1: with one eight. With the. Uh... You want to hear my takes first, or or you want to give me yours?
0: No, you can give your takes, and then I'll, uh, I'll okay. react.
1: Okay. So uh, I to say that I was thrilled to get A-Shane at number eight would be an understatement. Um, A-Shane was one of the guys I had on my shortlist. I thought Allen would take a 1-3 because I know that he was desperate for a running back. And if you look at the makeup of that team, like there's certain factors that I consider when taking a player – um, and It's based on the coach and the offensive scheme, the players that are in front of him, and just the offensive dynamic in general. Um, head coach for the Dolphins obviously is a disciple of the Mike Shanahan's or uh, old Mike Shanahan slash Kyle Shanahan schemes of multiple running backs pound the rock, win in the run game, um, having Kyle Shanahan's scheme being brought to South Beach. Is a big boon for him, especially when you consider that the two guys that are in front of him are 31 going on 32-year-old Raymond Mostert and 27 going on 28-year-old Jeff Wilson. Of both, neither of them have ever finished a full season in the NFL. A. Um, Chain actually showed up to training camp almost 10 pounds heavier than what he was listed at coming out of college. Um, he was quoted as being at. 189. He showed up at camp at 197. Uh, pure muscle. Committed obviously to the offseason program. He's got just as good of a receiving record as either of those running backs, uh, and he carried the mail when he was at Texas A&M. I was shocked to see him go past uh, Che at 17. I was thrilled to get him at 18. Um, he went right on my practice squad, and he just kind of let me continue to facilitate my growth speech of. Brian Robinson up, Devin A. down, next man up, just kind of build my bench. Uh, Bryce Young, as I already told you, I thought he was the best quarterback in the draft just based on intangibles and abilities plus supporting cast, so I had no problems trading up to get him because I'm kind of at a point with my team where I can push all my chips to the middle of the table, and this is my time to try and go make a run because I'm running out of years on some of my guys like Rodgers and Kamara. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, I was shocked to see him at 210. I thought he would go way earlier than that. Um, He's gotten some very loose DK Metcalf, AJ Brown comps because they all came from Ole Miss, but he's a big, big big-bodied receiver, you know, 6'2", 227. Um, There's a very good chance that he'll be the wide receiver one on that team probably by next year, but in the meantime, he can sit and be my wide receiver five on my team. Jalen Hyatt. Admittedly, one of my favorite receivers in this draft class, if uh, close circuit to everybody listening to this podcast, if you've never watched the YouTube highlights of him dropping five touchdowns on number one ranked Alabama when Tennessee um, upset them, go watch that. That is football at its best. Um, everybody likes to talk about how he's undersized at six feet, about 175 pounds. Very big shades of Deshaun Jackson. That's that's the player he was constantly come to, and the lazy reference is that he kind of follows the Tyreek Hill footsteps in terms of being just a very fast burner and a lid lifter. He's got a depth chart that he's going to climb up right now that consists of Kenny Galladay, who's just about out of the league, um, something called Isaiah Hodgins, um, I feel pretty confident that he'll be a starter in that offense, especially a Brian Dabble led offense in no time as either a lid lifter or just a deep threat in general. Uh, Brendan Strange was the only one that I guess you could say I kind of whipped on. I took him because he's got a second-round draft commodity, and at the point of our draft, Evan Engram had not signed a multi-year contract. He was just franchised. Um, buying him with Trevor Lawrence in an ascending offense, I felt like there's a good stash. And then obviously I think two days later, Evan Ingram got a three year extension. So, um, I'm not sure of the money, but, uh, strange still feels like a guy that I felt comfortable putting on my taxi squad and just kind of letting him marinate in case he becomes something. But, um, I was absolutely stoked to leave my draft of the players that I got.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of a Shane and, uh, that might end up being the pick of the draft, uh, He's, I believe, in the top 30 already on uh, Fantasy Pro's Dynasty running back rankings. His best comp on uh, player profile is Chris Johnson. Um, He's in an offense where as long as Tua hits, and I believe in Tua as well, um, if he can just stay on the field and not get any more concussions, I'm I'm a believer in Tua. Um, There's a lot of speed on that offense. It's going to open up a lot of room for him. And he's wicked fast, so he could end up having a monster monster year right now. So it be interesting to see what happens there. I don't have a lot of opinions on uh, uh, Mingo, Hyatt, or Strange, so I won't uh, won't bore you guys with those. But uh <laughs> top of your draft was, uh, was definitely good, and you got some uh, pieces here. So um, Before we wrap up the show, I just wanted to circle back to the draft because there's two items I forgot to mention. Uh, one is, for a highlight, uh, Becker's wife, Gretchen, sent up these bars.
1: <laughs>
0: I put a picture on GroupMe of these, but'm I'm, I'm not exaggerating. These were seriously one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah, uh, those, had,
1: those were phenomenal. You're not wrong.
0: They had uh you know, Oreos in them. They had, I believe, butterscotch chips. Well, they had yep. butterscotch chips. I think they might've had white chocolate chips, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, um, I thought that was cream cheese. I wasn't sure. It, it, they were so decadent. Yeah. It, it I, unbelievable. it got to the point wow. where
0: I couldn't tell everything that was in it, be it but it was amazing. <laughs> but when you bit into it, the cris the, 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 the sugar was like crystallized. It was crazy. It was so good. Um, so shout out to her and Becker for bringing them. Um, I know she's the one that made them, but, uh, that was awesome. That was the highlight of the draft for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's uh,
1: unfortunate, Chris. I'm sorry, uh,
0: but it was they were so good though. And then the other thing I wanted to point out—I forgot to mention this as well—is uh, Lazy and my dad won the Bags tournament uh, for picks two seventeen and two eighteen. And much to they, Chris and I chagrin, yeah, and yeah, they beat me and Tony. Uh, and then uh, Lazy ended up beating my dad. So he gets lazy gets 217, my dad gets 218 in next year's draft. So congrats to those guys. And then uh, just to wrap up, guys, I mentioned this before, but please pay your league safety due if you haven't already. Uh, please participate and group me. Uh, let's get the chat going and alive uh, again. And this is the time of year. If there's any rule changes, it's getting kind of late for this, but if there's anything you want to bring up for discussion, uh, do that now before it gets too late. So anything you want to say before we wrap it up?
1: Uh, I would only recommend that if anybody's going to make any rule changes or proposals in the group meet, uh, make sure you use the pin feature. It's way too easy for us to lose things inside of the chat if you have something relevant that you want to share. If you're not sure how to do that, just click and hold on your comment. It will give you the opportunity to pin it to the chat and it goes right to the top. You can click on that at that point. You can see any and all pins, whether it's a rule proposal, uh, whatever it is, and then you can obviously unpin it at your leisure. Um, Yeah, very important, yeah. I think Chuck is the uh, group moderator for it, so the only person that can unpin uh, the comment other than the one that you pin is the group moderator, which would be Chuck. So anything that you see that's relevant, um, please make sure you pin it because we want to make sure that we don't lose that within a deluge of comments or, you know, uh, spammed hot takes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could easily get lost and talk about Iowa wrestling, Iowa women's <laughs> basketball, or Jordan Addison speeding, so do be sure to pin that. So, All right, guys, well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you, Tony. See you,